0: empower radio presents the dr julie show all things connected break through the illusion of separation explore the infinite field of possibility and make connections that inspire now here's your host dr julie crawl Hello and welcome, everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And 2020 has been a year of separation. And so, you know, I've been off for several weeks this summer and... Um, Really anxious to get back to you and to bring just some important pieces here. And before I do a formal introduction of our guest, I want to tell you a story, true story, of what happened to me earlier this year. My daughter and son-in-law drove to Nebraska. COVID hit. They're in the thick of things. They were in the thickest of the thickest up in New York and New Jersey and decided to drive my daughter and granddaughter back to stay here until things lightened up. And on their way out, driving cross-country, the concern was their safety. Where do they find a safe place to eat on the way? Were there any restaurants open? Where would they find a safe place to gas up? Were there any gas stations open? And where would they find a safe place to sleep? Were there any hotels open? And that created their journey here. They planned and they worked hard and they figured it out and they drove cross country. And my son-in-law, which I call my son-in-love, flew back to New Jersey and my daughter and granddaughter Drove out here and quarantined and then stayed for several, several weeks. So fast forward, fast forward to the 1st of June. My son in love flies back out to celebrate his daughter's first birthday with us here. And then they hop in the car to plan their trip back. And something different happened on their trip back that broke my heart open. And I'm going to start with a confession before I tell you what happened. My confession is that as a white person of privilege, I've never said that about myself before out loud, so you're the first to hear it. A white person of privilege I am. My son-in-law began telling me stories. He's a black man. And he began telling me stories about getting pulled over by the cops five years ago or so, five or six years ago. And he was telling me a story way back then about my daughter getting pulled over by the cops and how different they were and was intimately explaining his childhood, growing up, what it was like going out on the streets, having to come back early, never to confront police persons. He began telling me all these stories and I minimized and became dismissive. I encouraged him, saying things are changing, times are changing. I mean, this is my job on the planet, is to bring hope and talk about the evolution of consciousness and the change on the planet. And I began dismissing his stories by saying, it's okay, Will, things are changing. Look at all these amazing things that are happening. We're evolving our culture through consciousness. We're evolving our systems and structures. It's all going to be better. And I was making promises to him, but was I really listening to him? So on their way back, June 1st this year, they're planning their cross country trip again. And they're not only planning where's the safe place to sleep and to eat and to gas up, but he's planning his trip. And he wanted to go to a certain destination to take his wife and his daughter to have a little fun. And he couldn't quite make it in one day. And I said, Will, look at these three towns. These three towns are about halfway. You could stop at any one of them and you'll be okay. And then the next day you could just drive a couple hours and you'll be at your destination. And he looked at me and he said, Mama Kroll, I can't stop in those towns or bring my family into those towns with me. They are a hotbed for the KKK. And in that moment, not only did my skin bust open, but my heart broke open and my life has never been the same. That was the first of June after George Floyd's death, his murder. And there was rioting. All around the country, even in my small state, the two largest towns in my state were filled with riots. And they literally had to plan their trip back, not only with COVID, but how do we avoid the violence and how do we avoid unnecessary trouble? So I say that story, I have to share that story because I am so invested in bringing healing to our planet. And with that, I've had the honor and blessing of meeting our guests today. And I'm looking forward to just introducing this topic to you and her brilliance and her healing. This is the time to bring these voices forward. So... Anyone listening, I ask for your forgiveness for my dismissive, minimizing white privilege in this conversation. And I look forward to sharing this. I'm going to start with a formal introduction because on August 9th, 2020, exactly six years after 18-year-old Michael Brown was fatally shot by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. A day of remembering and healing will take place throughout the world. The murder of George Floyd on May 25th has shocked the world. It brought a new focus to the long standing patterns of senseless acts of violence in the United States and inspired urgency to change the culture that has permitted it. A variety of community programs and organizations have been founded to draw attention to this problem and to connect these community programs. Black Sunday, I love this title, Black Sunday, and it's spelled Black, capital S, capital O, capital N, Day, was created by Dr. Marty K. Casey, founder of the Ungun Institute to globalize these initiatives and bring them together. And I'm forever grateful for the introduction our friend Ben Bowler has given me. So first, before I bring her on, I want you to invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart and settle in to your essential wholeness. As I introduce Marty, she's the founder, like I mentioned, of the Ungun Institute. And now, Black Sunday, occurring August 9th, 2020. You're going to hear much more about that today. And she's an actor, an artist, an activist, and I'm so proud to call her my new friend and soul sister. So with that, welcome, Marty, to the show.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Julie. And let me just say, um, I concur with those sentiments of being... Friend forever. Let's just claim that in the universe right now and know that we will continue to walk in that space no matter what. So thank you for having me. Mm,
0: thank you. And I know you heard that story from me before, but I really wanted to share it with our listeners because it brings, um, I think, it, it, it brings our stories together in a way when I think of that moment changing me so dramatically that the the work that you're doing, I just hold in the highest esteem and honoring and gratitude. And I can't wait to tell our listeners about it. But first I have a traditional first question on my show, Marty. And then I want to start with your story because our stories bring us together too. And I think coming together in our common humanity is a story the world needs to hear too as well. So first I'm going to start with my traditional first question, which is Marty, what does all things connected mean to you?
1: Wow. Great. That's a great question. What does all things connected mean to me? The first thing that I would say to you, it means equality. I think that when we connect all things, all things should be equal. And I believe that that is part of the issue that we're having right now in our world is that we are either minimizing or we are overreaching or we are disconnecting and we are devaluing other people and other things. And I think all things when they have been created equal, those things should connect in an equal manner. And when we get to that place of understanding that some of these other things that we are fighting about will no longer be an issue.
0: Mm. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for that perspective. I really appreciate that. And I, I want to jump in and say more about that. But first, I want to um, I, I want to talk, start with your story. And I shared my story, and you just talked about minimizing, because I've done that. And I live in a very homogeneous area. Like, we are so white in my rural Nebraska area. And yet, there's more <laughs> diversity coming all the time. Mm-hmm. Diversity mostly through immigrants um, and because of the work opportunities. But we come from different worlds, you and I, and yet our stories, when we began telling our stories, really connected us deeply. And and it, it does feel like we're soul sisters, not just friends. But I want to share your story with our listeners because I think it brings the power Into this conversation, and it sets a tone for us to really understand from a very broad perspective of you and I and who we be to share this work with the world today. So let's start with your story, Marty. Tell us about who you are and how you got here today.
1: Sure. Well, you know my story can be a little lengthy, so I want to try to. I know we (laughs) we're on a little time slot here, so let me let me try to. at at least bring in the the elements that I think are important. And of course, Dr. Julie, if I've left something out that we've previously discussed, by all means, just circle me back around to it. Uh, But I want to actually take the listeners back to me being a little girl. If you can imagine, um, by the age of almost five years old, the doctors telling my parents that I may not live to be five because they discovered that I had a rare cancer uh, that I was born with cancer. And they actually um, they were thinking that, you know, it was a 50 50 chance that they could remove it all. And and I would would live or um, the other 50 percent would be that I would not. Well, I remember my great grandmother telling me the story as I, you know, um, continued to to have those uh, conversations with her. She shared with me, she said, I knew when the doctor said that, that that wasn't so Because you have a calling on your life. And so for me, uh, growing up in a Black family, and a a religious family, to my great-grandmother, that meant that I had purpose. Now, we all really have purpose. Let me just say that I'm not discounting anyone in their life and how they move about it. But not everyone uh, is able to tap into their purpose at the same time. So for me, my purpose was really, really clear at an early age. And it, it, and it showed up because I seen how God was using me to really um, um, respond to some certain things that was going on. So in my, my family, I came from a very what I would consider a loving family, but it was dysfunctional. It was toxic and, and, and traumatizing. Uh, all of those dynamics was there. Every day, every week, even though, believe it or not, in the midst of that, I I knew that I was loved. I knew my mother was loving me the best way that she knew how. I knew my father looked at me like like the apple of his eye. I was his baby girl and he loved me. But I could not, if I look back at it now, Dr. Julie, I can't necessarily tell you that my parents felt love and that Mm -hmm. they even knew how to love other people. They just gave us what they had, you know. It's like going to the bank. You, you. If if I'm going to get a withdrawal, I I can only take out what has been deposited. So they only gave us what they had, and because my father was battling with some things, he was very uh, abusive to my mother, and it was fueled by alcohol. So when he would would get you know drunk and saucy or what have you, um, that's when the fighting began. I ran from that I would I, I, I knew that I needed to protect my my mind and my heart and uh, being a little girl, I'll say this this was going on when I really first remembered that at five, six, seven, and eight years old. and my brother I uh, have one sibling, he's two and a half years older than me. So keep in mind we have the same mother and father we're eating the same foods, living in the same home, but the way that it affected us was was totally two different ways. And I've been studying this now just because of the work that that I have, I'm have, i doing in my purpose work. I'm looking back and I'm reflecting in the mirror of, oh, wow, I remember that happening to me then, there, and uh, and my brother, this is what happened with him. Wow. And so I'm discovering all of this stuff because I'm paying attention closely now. Well, during that time that my father was fighting my mother and I'm escaping, I would go inside of my closet and I would take my, I had a Barbie doll, a Ken doll, and a Skipper doll. Now, I know a lot of people had Barbie, but not everybody had a Skipper. But anyway, I had a Skipper doll, and Skipper was me, Barbie obviously was my mom, and Ken was my dad. I would recreate those stories or those events that was happening in real time in my house. I would now recreate it with those dolls, and I made sure that my Barbie doll was beating up Ken. I'd knock Ken down to the ground and then me and Skipper would grab hands and we'd go and fly off on my Barbie airplane somewhere. What I really was entering into, and I'm sure that you can explain this from a medical standpoint a lot better to your your listeners than I can. However, what I believe I was tapping into was, was, was that subconscious of survival. It was allowing me to block those, what I call trauma bullets. I did not want that energy that was was being created in my household through this darkness of of the way that they were showing up and treating each other, I didn't want that landing on me. So I had to block those trauma bullets, and I was able to successfully do that. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to, and this is something I didn't share with you earlier, Dr. Julie, but I want to share this. It still left me if you will, because any kind of bullet that if you are in, and if you're near a bullet being shot, you still may have some uh, remnants of that. You can still, you can still smell the the gunfire in the air. You heard the shot. You, um, you may even have some, some gunfire, fo- some gunpowder on your hands. You know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. still some things that, sh- that, that, that land within that vicinity that lets you know you, You've been near that type of experience. So what was left on me, although the bullet didn't get lodged in me from that, I've been able to ungun, meaning I've been able to pull those trauma bullets out of my mind, my body and my soul. But I I still had all of the um, experiences of remembering, like PTSD, of being in that type of, war in that type of environment. So here I am in high school. I'm in the uh, ninth grade. I've been to 10 different schools because now we're moving around. After um, my mother had a a near-death experience that she was going to tap out, she decided to tap out, and I found my mother face down when I was eight, called the ambulance, My mother knew in that moment she needed to remove herself from the marriage and they divorced. Now I'm in high school. Here I am trying to figure out why am I so angry? Why anybody, any little thing, I had such a sharp fuse. The that the, the anger that I displayed for every little thing—it was either it, either I internalized it where I began to cry and I was so sad, or I released it and I became so angry that I began to act out. And in high school, I remember a teacher. Believe it or not, she stepped on my hand. We were sitting in what you call crisscross applesauce. You know, you're sitting down in squats with your your, your legs crossed, and my hands were off to the side. So as she's walking down the the aisle of, of our squad, she stepped on my hand. And I said to the teacher, you just stepped on my hand. You didn't even say excuse me. And she turned around, and she gave me the most disgusting look as if, like, she, I, I, I'm going to say that the rumor was she was prejudiced. And so she turned around and looked at me like I was gum stuck to the bottom of her shoe. And she said, well, maybe if your hands were in a different spot, they wouldn't have got stepped on, huh? Mm. I am a traumatized, angry, barely holding it together individual. And w- those words that she spoke to me in that moment, I lost it. All I heard was, if your hand. And so I took my hands and I punched the teacher. And I was expelled instantly for 90 days. 90 days meant that I was not going to graduate with my graduating class. Now, this is adding more trauma, more hurt, yeah. more pain. 90 days meant I, I, I'm going to be like on a 90-day punishment at home, I'm sure. I mean, just all kinds of things racing through my head. And I told my mother, I'm dropping out. I'm dropping out of high school. I'm just, I quit. They didn't even bother to ask me What happened? It didn't matter why I thought I should punch a teacher. All they went by was their rules and they expelled me, no questions asked. My mother said, you're not dropping out. She moved across town to another district. Now, the school that I was just at was 80% Black. The school that she moved me to, now it's only 20% Black. Mm. At this school again, because anger doesn't just disappear overnight, Dr. Julie. So here I am. I just told you what was going on at home. I told you what happened in high school. And now I'm at a new school adjusting again. This is my 10th school, ninth grade. And I wasn't there 30 days before someone disrespected me again in my mind. And now I fought her Now I'm suspended 10 days. There was a teacher who heard me sing, and we're friends today still on Facebook, which I'm proud to say. My white teacher pulled me aside once I did my 10-day suspension, and she pulled me aside after class. And she said, Marty, I want to say something to you, and I hope you can receive it. I believe that you're gifted. And I believe that doors will open for you. But I also believe that as soon as those doors open, they're going to quickly close because you need to change some things that's going on inside of you. Mm. I wanted to sing so bad. And I wanted to sing simply because I wanted something that would validate my worth. I wanted to own something that belonged to me and no one else and nobody else to take it from me. My voice was that one thing. My teacher said to me, I'm going to put a mic in your hand and I'm going to allow you to sing a solo at the Black History Program in February. And you can sing whatever song you like and I sang this song that I had heard at church. When I sang that song, and I still sing that song today, Dr. Julie, but when I sang that song, the power that came through me, it wasn't so much that I sounded good or whatever was happening, but the transfer of energy of what I was feeling and what I was releasing, it landed on everyone in the auditorium. Every student, every staff, every teacher, every parent that was in that room, they stood to their seats because they heard my gift come through me. In that moment, I felt my own worth. Mm. It was a microphone. It was the belief system of my teacher knowing that if I could tap into my own gifts and talents and understand my own worth of what she was seeing in me, that I would then be protected and I could come out of this place of darkness. It was my key to the door opening to now come into the light.
0: Wow. Marty, I'm going to just invite a pause with that invitation now to the light because we're, we're going to go deeper into trauma and healing trauma and your your healing, your resilience, but also what brought you to the Ungun Institute and healing this trauma. But more importantly, this event that's coming up, Black Sunday and it is something special for all of us to participate in, and I can't wait to tell more. And this story of trauma and the trauma healing is a really important invitation for all of us, no matter what race we are, no matter what religion, nationality, what gender. This is for all humans to look at our conditioned response, our in cultured way of, of learning and being in this world and learning to, to, to heal and this the COVID pandemic has brought in so many of these gifts so thank you for sharing that story we're going to take a quick break when we get back you're going to hear so much more from Dr. Marty Casey and the Black Sunday coming real soon to all of us we'll be right back
1: and it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi everyone, I'm Katie Couric. You know, girls who grow up with confidence are more likely to reach their full potential. I've interviewed world leaders, CEOs, and celebrities, but my most important role has been as a mom to my two daughters, Ellie and Carrie. I've worked hard to encourage my girls to see the world as a place of endless possibilities. They know that believing in themselves will give them the confidence they need to persevere. Research has shown that girls with high self-esteem are better prepared to navigate life's challenges, not only in their teenage years, but well beyond. So join me as we empower the next generation. Together, we can help today's girls achieve their dreams tomorrow. This message was brought to you by the Alliance for Women in Media and made possible through the support of Dove and the Dove Self-Esteem Fund, working together to help girls reach their full potential.
0: To learn more, go to Dove.com. Back to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of different ways you can do that. You can check out that those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. Also, goodofthewhole.org or goodofthewhole.com. Come check out The Connection Field, a new initiative keeping us all connected and joining in very sacred space, The connectionfield.org. I'm here with Marty Casey. She's the founder of the Ungun Institute. You could find out more about her at unguninstitute.org. And Marty, right before the break, you were telling us your story. And I know from our previous conversations that literally this piece of of the trauma bullets and healing our trauma and what happens when we leave that trauma inside, it contributes to the problems that we're having on the planet today. It's that unhealed trauma is a part of the problem as well. And so let's just open the the second half here by talking about Black Sunday and what's going to happen. And then we can look at, um, in future shows, we're going to talk about healing that trauma, but we may perhaps can look at the relevance of healing trauma and what we're doing on this Black Sunday as well. So tell us, how did Black Sunday come about? Sure. So that, the the reason that I have to share my personal story is that
1: that's how black Sunday came about. When I, uh, when the unrest of uh, Ferguson happened in my own backyard, if you will, I recognized how the children were responding when they, um, The media was picking up on the fact that they burned down the quick trip and people were just like could not believe that, you know, they could be that hurt that they start burning down, you know, things in their own neighborhood and and the response. But I saw something different. I saw that these are children who have their voices have been muted. These are children who have been living with trauma from so many other things. And this was the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And so my response was, you know what? Give me these babies. If you're not understanding them, you don't know what they're trying to say by the reaction that they have because hurting people hurt people. But I have moved to a place in my life now where my story is now. Healed people can heal people. That's who I am now. But in order for you to respect where I stand in this moment, you have to understand where I come from. Yeah. So I am not the story that I told you. That doesn't define me. And thank goodness that it doesn't, because this is the space I'm in now. So even after creating Show Me Arts Academy, which is my nonprofit, where I began to service over 3,000 children in the city of St. Louis for free, giving them exposure and access to the arts like DJ, engineering and theater, dance, music, poetry. I then started to study it a little further, and I picked 20. I ha- I picked out twenty children that I took across the country to Washington, D.C., New Jersey and New York. And I took those children who could sing and dance and I gave them the same experience that my teacher gave me in high school. I put a mic in their hand. I let them create the stage wherever our hearts led us to be a stage. We were a stage in truck stops. We were a stage at the Dr. Martin Luther King Monument Inn, and on the steps of Lincoln. We were, we were a stage wherever we chose to be one. We went to to uh, Congress and we met with, with senators or what have you, and we were the stage right in their office. We, uh, I allowed those children to understand that your voice, when you are given an opportunity to speak and to sing, you use your voice for power and not to, to, to harm anyone. And when mm-hmm. I empowered those children in that manner, I realized that, oh, this is a bigger picture. This is something all by itself. What do I call this? So that's when I created the ungun method. Now, this is great that I was able to handpick some children that I believe had the desire to use their gifts. But now, in order for me to really understand, it, do I have something here? I had to take this to a group of children that may not, as you put it before, have that privilege. So then, I went inside of the uh, Saint Louis Detention Center. These are children that are 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 locked up because they are a certain age, and after they age out, if their crime was was uh, horrific enough, they then go before the judge, and now they are in penitentiary. So I said, now let me go work with this group of children and see if it has the same effect. And Dr. Julie, I'm proud to to announce to you that it did. Mm -hmm. I was able to turn some children around inside of the St. Louis detention center. And, and I know for a fact that this works because I have been those children. I'm no different than either one of sets of those children. I'm no different from the children that was inside of the detention center because I was probably one situation away from going. And I am no different from those children that I took to put a mic in their hand and allow them to choose a stage because a teacher put a mic in my hand. I just happened to choose the right choice. But when we don't give the children the choice, the choice will choose them. Mm. So when you look at what happened to the children in Ferguson, you tell me the choices that they had. We saw the bad choice they chose. What was the good choice? They had none. Wow. Choice chose them. Yeah. So when you talk about Ungun and Black Sunday, I am rolling out. I'm introducing my Ungun Institute kill, heal, H-E-A-L, to the world on Black Sunday. Black Sunday, S-O-N-D-A-Y, is the event. We have to start with the sun. We have to start with the Black Sons because those are the ones that the violence was incited on that that's who the world chose to racially uh, you know bring this violence to our culture. They chose our black son. So we have to go we have to go back to the very place where it began and we have to heal it from there on out. So it won't just be black sons. It'll be black sons and black adults. It will be black sons and black daughters. It will be black fathers and black mothers. But we have to start with the sons because that's where it began. So on that day, this is now, this is a day where we begin the healing, or I like to call it the happening. Because we can talk all day long and have these wonderful conversations of what's going on and we can go down memory lane with our stories, but it means nothing if we're not going to move forward. I had to find the light. And just like I found it, I need to bring as many people to the light as I can because I can't heal you in darkness. You will never see that you're healed. If I try to heal you in darkness, I have to bring you to the light.
0: Wow. How did you – so I just want to pause here before we jump into the details of Black Sunday and and just – for you, you found your voice, you became an actress, you've you traveled with, I have to tell you, I wonder if I saw you in Vegas um, doing the um, the menopause video or the menopause play, menopause, musical? <laughs> menopause, the musical. I saw it in Vegas and I loved it. It was so much fun. And you, you have had. You've, you've been in movies, you've used your voice for good, you've used your voice for entertainment, you've done so many beautiful things, and now you're bringing your voice for healing, like to do some deep healing work, and you're so right, we have to come into the light. But, so for those listening right now, Marty, who who are saying, you go, great, awesome, but tell everybody to stop protesting in the streets or tell everybody to stop destroying property or tell every, you know, what would you say to those who are listening, who wanna be a part of the solution, but perhaps they're not gonna use their voice. They can use their hands and their arms and their legs in a different way. What would you say to those people right now who are witnessing what's happening in the United States because of the trauma Of Literally, when we're looking at George Floyd's death, it woke us up. What did you say to us?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say we need to get to a place where we're no longer judging. It's so easy to make an assessment on what should be happening. Oh, they should not be doing that. Why are they doing that? Until you know, I just explained that I saw a group of children in one manner the same time someone else was seeing that same group of children in the other manner. So the first thing that I want to say, please stop judging. If you really want to see something different uh, happen, you need to first create another choice. If you see someone responding in a way where they are acting out, you need to think in that moment and say, what are the choices do they have right now? What other choice can I offer so that they can now choose to respond with their feelings and their hurt in a different manner? That's the first thing. Become a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. If I uh, just had a car accident in the street and I'm bleeding out, do you come up to my car to save me and go, well, you ran the light. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the most important thing in that moment? Get me some help. Yeah. Help me. Save me. Show up. For me. And so I believe that a lot of what is happening in these moments as the anger is escalating, we're showing up to the crime scene with judgment versus solutions. So through Black Sunday, it was important for me to pull everybody from around the world because this is another thing that I say, Dr. Jewett. My house is on fire and I've been inside of this house trying to, to, to put this fire out and it's just getting larger. At what point am I going to leave out of the house and run outside and call for help? Mm. So I want you to imagine that right now in our nation, our house is on fire. And we can't put it out. The fire is spreading. Every day we see where the protests and the, and, 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 and the uh, riots are popping up everywhere. And so how do we put the fire out in the United States? We have to call for help. So that means we have to call for help from other nations. Mm. So my goal was to create a voice and be loud enough to call out for other global leaders everywhere. Come and help me douse this fire. And that is what we're doing on Black Sunday. This is a international call for help. We will show up in this, this space And we will see where the fires are and what we need to do. And we, because we is a M that's turned right side up. See, the M represents me. That's one person and one person can't do it. But if you turn it right side up, That M now becomes a W, and that's a we thing. We got a we thing going on here on (laughs) August 9th, 2020.
0: Okay, so tell us about it. August 9th, 2020. Where do they go? What's going to happen? Tell us all about it. All right. I'm going to tell you what I
1: can share with you at this time, but I will say this. I need everyone, by the sound of my voice, if you will, If I've said anything today that has interest you to say that I am tired of the protests and the rioting and I am looking to be on the side of the solution, I'm asking you right now to go to Black S-O-N-D-A-Y, that's three words, Black Sunday events page. I need you to go and get registered through Eventbrite. There's a link on there. All we're doing, we're just getting your information so that we can keep in contact with you and we know who's coming into the room that day. We need you to do that right away. This event is free. It doesn't cost you anything but time. And this event, this is it runs from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. You can click in and you can stay with us all day or you can pick and choose. We're going to be putting uh, closer up to the event time. We will put the run and show up so you will know who's coming on at what time and and what you are going to see. You can choose when you want to come into the Zoom room, but however, I hope that you're able to stay with us for those 12 hours. These 12 hours, it sounds like that's a lot of time, but how much time do we have to continue to stand by and watch lives be taken in real time? Right. Mm. We can't we can't afford to do that. So give us 12 hours just so we can come together to turn it around. Beautiful. So what we is we're going to have uh, I'm going to say this to you. These are three speakers that have been invited, but we are we are right now getting confirmation on, uh, you know, we got to do the business side of things, but I'm going to put their names out there anyway. We have invited Gandhi's great-grandson, Tashar, to come and be a speaker that day. Gandhi's great-grandson. We have invited uh, President Mandela's grandson, who is is Manla Mandela. And we have invited... Bernice King, who's the daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King. We want to bring that power of of those global leaders back into our universe, into our space, and understanding that they all agreed that the only way we could move forward in this world is with love. So we're connecting the dots of all three of these powerhouse individuals. And then you are also going to hear the voice of, of Leslie McSpadden, which is Mike Brown's mother. For me, this work began in Ferguson. So our tagline is from Ferguson to the world. So I'm going to take you from Ferguson to around the world because we are also uh, we are remembering this is also the the 75th uh, birthday, uh, not birthday. I'm sorry, the 75th um, anniversary of when the atomic bomb was 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 also released and so we have to remember that in terms of our world history as well. And then I also have um, I also have someone that is going to be speaking about her work in Rwanda. We have people from all over, from is from uh, uh, indigenous people, and we have we have speakers from all over, from South Africa. This is a worldwide event because this is a worldwide problem. But if I was to to break it all the way down to it starting in the world, and I bring it all the way down and minimize it, it really starts with you. The responsibility is with you. With me, and together we become a we that can then do the work in the world.
0: Mm. Wonderful. Well, it is a beautiful opportunity for us to not only recognize the deep systemic racism and do healing, but it's also a reminder as you're talking about this light that the love heals the love disarms us and yeah. yes and i never thought about that that the ungun institute isn't about disarmament and and getting rid of weapons it really is a beautiful healing response of teaching us what trauma and violence does to our souls our psyche our emotional body, our physical body, our mental body. This is really a time where you're taking a lot of your beautiful work and expertise, and then putting us in a place of of remembering on Black Sunday and an opportunity to really learn and be a part of the solution. So, um, and you know, not that the protesting is a bad thing at all. Don't get me wrong. I think no, it's, nope, it's it's not. amazing. It's unfair, but- it's yeah. necessary. It is our inflammatory response. It's it's the world in an inflammatory response, which is the first stage of healing of us saying no more. It's time to heal, and so Absolutely. as when I opened the the hour, Marty, telling my story about my son-in-law and my daughter and granddaughter driving across the country, um, this piece is. Real And it's still going on. And we all have an opportunity to look at how we've been dismissive, how we've been minimizing or in denial and to come out and to support the underlying message and the underlying healing that needs to take place and that is beginning to take place. So thank you for your part in this. Yeah.
1: No, thank you, Dr. Julie. But I I just wanted to jump in real quick and also say to you that those are the speakers. That doesn't even begin to touch on the art. the artistic um, formula that we're bringing into play. We have a, uh, a world-renowned artist. His name is Kababi Bayok. And Kababi is going to, in the morning, come on and begin to paint a piece that will be entitled Black Sunday. And that piece, he's donating to the Ungun Institute, and we will be bidding to the, to the highest bidder for that piece. And the money that we raise from that, that will allow myself and my team to then begin to offer free workshops to families that really need it the most. So we want to raise as much money as we can for that piece of so will start to paint it in the morning. And then by, we, by the time we get to the end of the program, we will show the final product and we will have that taking place. We also have Grammy award winning singers and performers. That's going to be, um, pulled in and into the program. And we have a DJ that's going to give us a dance party that's going to take us with genre of <laughs> music around the world. So we have such an exciting moment. This is no, I don't want anyone right now thinking, oh, I'm not tuning in to no Zoom for 12 hours and hearing a bunch of heart stories that's going to make me cry. No, we're ungunning ungunning me. We're we're bringing you to a place of happiness, a place of joy, a place of worth. You are going to thank me later. <laughs> when you tune in and you become a part, you are going to love it. Because again, my story started off dark, but baby, I live in the light, honey. You couldn't take me back to that darkness. You can't pay me to put my hands on someone now. I mean, it's not worth it. I have too much to lose. I know who I am. I've discovered my dreams Greatest me. And that's all I'm trying to do for everyone else, Dr. Julie, is help them to discover the greatest part of who they are.
0: Mm. Oh, Marty, that's beautiful. Okay, so let's pause and let's all breathe that in, discovering the greatest part of ourselves. Yeah. So with that, we have about one minute. And I am so grateful that you were here today. I want to know in one minute or less, Marty, is there anything else that you really want to say to our listeners today before we close?
1: First of all, I want to say thank you. It is time for us to do the work, but we have to understand that we're not going to succeed in getting this done by doing it by ourselves. We have to turn towards one another. We have to learn to love each other in such a mighty way that it's transferable, that even after we leave the room, the love still should be in the room, but we have to walk into the room with the love. If you are feeling something right now, if you're going through something and you're feeling so heavy and so bogged down with the darkness, I need you to meet me in the room on August 9th. So that I can fill you up, fill up your cup with love. And then I want you to go and give others a sip of your cup. It is so important that we do that. We have experienced collective trauma and we know what that feels like. We don't need any more of that. It's time for us now to do the work and to love on each other at the same time. We need to heal and we need to spread the good virus and not the bad virus. And I am willing to spread the good virus of love with you on August 9th. Don't just meet me there, but beat me there and stay with us all day. So you can receive as much as you need. Thank you, Dr. Julie, for this opportunity to come and and talk with me and allow me to talk with your audience who trust you and your voice. And I hope I've said something today that they can receive. And if, you need me to say more. You have any questions, please get in contact with me. I am here to help us heal.
0: Mm. You've been listening to Marty Casey, and we're talking about the beautiful event, Black Sunday, coming August 9th, and hopefully every year on the second weekend in August. And I want to leave you with the words of Martin Luther King, Jr., He said, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.